When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey YA is a bi-weekly podcast brought to you by YA experts, enthusiasts, and authors, Kelly Jensen and Eric Smith. The show delves into YA trends, adaptations, news, and boatloads of young adult book recommendations of all kinds. Each episode is guaranteed to amp up your TBR and leave you feeling excited about the wide and wonderful world of young adult books. Listen to Hey YA on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Hello, and uh, welcome back to uh, When in Romance Apocalypse Edition. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong, but that's just, it's very blunt. (laughs) Uh, This is episode number 61, and we are recording on Thursday, June 11th. 2020 and i am feeling particularly in an apocalyptic zone because once the sun sets i'll be able to look out into the distance and see mountains on fire so if you are anywhere in the world tonight i hope you're safe and that the zombies aren't coming for you or anything else really and with all of that said i am jess and i am trisha and i appreciate you putting that bottom line up front jess (laughs) We were talking a little bit before the podcast and just made, I think, a joke about the cacti in Arizona coming up and just wreaking vengeance on everyone. And I got to tell you, normally I would entirely dismiss the idea. (laughs) But right now. But it's 2020. It's 2020. And we just don't know. But yeah, I I echo that sentiment. It's, you know, we're going to get into a little bit of the state of the world in a few minutes. But for now, I do hope that everyone is safe and healthy and has access to what they need. And that sounds like such a low bar, Jess, yes. but I, I I do hope that for everyone. I do as well. And we'll probably talk a little bit about everything, but it's it's hopefully this part is the um the reel at the beginning of the movie in which all of the good stuff happens. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping. That that's what's happening right now. We are halfway through the year, so let's see. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> this moment in time is the real at the beginning. Yeah, so we we can still get to our HEA. Yes, so if that's something. Yes, and before we do dig into the state of the world, should we do an ad spot and then we can really just dive right on in? Let's do it. That'll be good. So uh, thank you to Book Riot for sponsoring this episode, specifically Book Riot Insiders, the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. Enrich your reading life with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to Insiders, short story, novel, and epic, and you can try any level out for free for two weeks. The highlight is our group read hosted online and available to all Epic members. Each quarter, we'll read a book, voted on by Epic subscribers, 
that will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge and cap off our read-along with a live chat. But wait, there's more. Podcasts, index, anything that you want. Well, not anything, but lots of good stuff. Get the full details on this and all the other perks and sign up at insiders.bookriot.com. Insiders.bookriot.com. Well, we've now done two ad spots, so I'm counting that as progress. <laughs> but we, yeah, we, we still have a, a lot of the world to dive into. And it's, I mean, you know, there's no easy or comfortable way to start a conversation about the horrific systemic racism in the United States that has been costing people their lives, livelihoods, senses of safety, and far more for the last, oh, four, five hundred years, probably longer. Mm. But it's not supposed to be an easy conversation. It's supposed to be an important conversation and one that people invest in. Um, and I think right now we are seeing more of an investment in that conversation and an understanding of the issues at play than we have seen I think at least in my adult life, Jess, I don't know. I would definitely say so, because if these conversations have happened before, they've happened in very insular sort of styles, structures, and places where the world at large wasn't able to sort of be privy to the conversation and be a part of the conversation as well. So the fact that we've got this combination of a lot of people with a lot of time on their hands a lot of people who are fed the F up, and a lot of people who are more than happy to discuss things that need discussing just came together to sort of build in this particular time and place. And we're seeing it happen across the board, but it's really interesting to watch what's happening in publishing. Yeah, that is decidedly true. I think for me, the main piece. Of, and you know that there's no reason for us to go into the background of everything that's going on. If you are a citizen of the world, uh, <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, pause us, do a quick Google search and come back. But as Jess said, the the publishing implications of this larger conversation is happening, at least in the United States, and I know worldwide to some extent, but that has absolutely been the center of conversation in the US for the last two weeks. I think for me, just the publishing piece of it you know, as someone who talks about books regularly, was sort of in the back of my head anyway. Mm -hmm. But seeing the publishing paid me hashtag sort of set fire to Twitter, for lack of, a, you know, a better term over the weekend mm -hmm. was really astonishing. And and for those who need the background, the, the publishing paid me hashtag was a, a call out for particularly white authors to tweet honestly about what kinds of advances they had received from publishing, essentially the big five publishers, although some small press publishers did as well. And seeing the stark contrast, it wasn't necessarily a call for black authors or any authors of color to publish their numbers. It was really more about white authors, but many black authors and, and other authors of color, or other um, marginalized authors did. And just seeing those stark contrasts felt to me like an even more I mean, you know, we talk about the state of publishing and the systemic racism in it on a regular basis. This hit me even hard. I mean, to see what the disparity actually looks like in those kinds of raw numbers was astonishing. It really was. And, you know, we know that romance is a huge, huge industry and the dollars have to sort of be spread a little further in romance because there are just so many romances being published every week. 
And then there was the whole conversation about, you know, I've never gotten an advance. I'm self-published. So like there, there are so many tiers of that whole conversation where it's like there are certain areas in publishing where six figure advance for a white writer is not surprising. And then you look at the range of advances from those same publishers, but for their romance imprints, and it's so much smaller significantly. And then you look at the differences between the Black romance authors and the white romance authors who who came and added their voices to the hashtag. And it's just like, there are so many things happening in this one space over the course of a couple days, and it's just mind-boggling. Yeah. And then, I mean, just going into some of the nuances of it, it, you know, Courtney Milan pointed out that if you were a Kamani author, you maybe weren't getting international republication, whereas, which uh, Kamani, for those who don't know, is the, I think they've shuttered since. They were talking about shuttering for a long time, and I think they eventually did, but it was focused specifically on Black romance stories. It was, I mean, yeah, we have episodes on that. You can go back and find them. The point (laughs) is, these were Black authors who were not getting the same access to the international outlets that Harlequin has, whereas other authors did. It makes it a heck of a lot easier to earn out your advance if you have, if you're being published in any number of dozens of countries. Mm -hmm. And those are the kinds of like little nuances that we don't even think about when we see the frontline numbers. I mean, it's just sort of this weird iceberg of a mess, frankly. Yeah, and honestly, Alyssa Cole's sentiment, I can't remember the exact wording of the tweet, but basically what she said was, everything here is just telling us that publishing had a whole lot more dollars that it could have been offering its Black authors and decided not to. Yep. I mean, I think that too is, the hashtag I think brought a lot of really important attention to the topic. But there is, in the same way that we're talking about systemic racism now in so many industries, particularly law enforcement, systemic racism, you know, although the stakes may be different, is a huge problem in publishing. And Lee and Lowe have been doing the work on that for years. They, you know, there's a, we'll link to a, a graphic that lines out exactly how many authors, literary agents, editorial staff, marketing publicity staff, sales staff, and reviewers are Black. And I listed just now six categories. None of them are over 5%. Mm. And that's the thing, you know, if you are not seeing yourself in, I don't know, I get very frustrated. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I am the least frustrated person of, of many. I have the least room to be frustrated. But it does it does seem like if we aren't putting people into the publishing industry who have a broad inclusive, diverse, different view of what books should be out there and what stories look like for all kinds of different people, those stories just aren't going to get published. Mm -hmm. So we need to do better. Publishing is racist. We know it's true of romance. And we have talked, it's so, we have talked so many times about so many of these things. And I, I will say it again, because it is important to say again, seeing all different kinds of love stories of all different kinds of people, whether those people look like you, which is important, everyone gets to see themselves in a happy ever after, or whether they don't look like you is equally important because everyone needs to recognize that stories about other people are also incredibly important. 
you don't have to be someone who looks like you does not have to be the story, the center of every story. And that's one of the things that I think is gained by reading and learning and understanding stories about people who do not represent your life experience. That is so well said, Trisha, especially because people like me have learned to do it from birth. Mm -hmm. And I love finding books about people who are in some ways similar to me. But the majority of my experience is people who are not. And I love those stories just the same, because they are stories that are good. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing that makes me a little bananas, Jess, is that all of this, like, there are stories that are good by all different kinds of authors. And I do think that part of what makes this conversation a little bit of a challenge is that there are people like you who have been dealing with this since birth. And then there are people like me who clearly need to do more and do better, right? I mean, at the end of the day, there are a lot of people like me, many of you who are listening know that this is you, right? We talk about different kinds of authors and different kinds of stories, and we put them on Instagram, and we rate them on Goodreads, and we talk about them on podcasts like this. And it's it's important. I, I think it's valuable and important that we do those things. But it's clearly not enough. Because if it was, we wouldn't be seeing the exact same thing that we saw four years ago, five years ago, when I started writing for Book Riot, three, two or three years ago, when we started doing this podcast. Clearly, what people like me are doing is not enough. So we need to do better. And we need to do more. And it's I'm not saying everybody out there needs to go and protest every day or even every week or tear down racist statues. Although if you are doing those things, let me know and I will <laughs> send you a virtual high five, maybe some books. I don't know. <laughs> but like there are things that we can do that are more, you know, give or recommend a romance by a black author to someone you know who has not read it. And they might tell you, oh, I don't read romance. And if their excuse is a dumb one, which honestly, they usually are, <laughs> remind them of why it is important that they have a better understanding of all different kinds of love stories. That's one thing. Here's another one. The next time you are going to buy a book by a white author, request it from your library instead, and donate that money to women of color and romance. Or request books by black authors, other authors who are marginalized from your library, or, you know, I mean, I don't know, I'm just like making up certain things that people can do right now. But those are just some things that I thought of here talking to you for no reason. Because like I said, clearly what we are doing is not enough. Clearly, we and we know who we are need to do more. So let's do more. I don't I mean, I don't know, if there was ever a time for us to recognize that obviously what we're doing isn't, that's what systemic racism is, right? It has to, it means that without people who are like me, we can't fix it. And it's not because we're better or more interesting or harder working. We're obviously none of those things. But <laughs> systemic racism is built up in such a way that you have to have lots of different kinds of people try to fix it. So I don't know, write your publishers, tell them you want more, tell them you want better. Tell them they need to send them an email or a tweet or an Instagram message and say, hey, I loved these last three books that your publishing house published. Obviously, I'm great at words. Mm -hmm. uh, so now give me another recommendation by someone who is not a cis white author, right? Or a cis heter heterosexual white author. Like, 
we have to ask questions. It may, I mean, maybe you send one of those and it gets lost, but maybe you send five of them and people start paying attention, or maybe we all send five of them and people start paying attention. So anyway, that's my rant on how we all need to do better and we need to hold each other accountable because like I said, it's obviously not enough. So it's time. That was great. Thank you. <laughs> it was a little ranty. <laughs> sorry. And by the, when, by the way, when I say it's time, I mean, it's long past time. <laughs> but you know, it's not too late. We'll do better now. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the only thing we can do, hopefully. Um, because goodness knows, worse is not an option. God, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's only ranty if it gets weird. And that was all very clear. Well, thank you. <laughs> so I just wanted to throw that out there. Not weird and clear was my goal. So I'll take it. And, you know, honestly, if other folks have ideas for what kinds of things people can do, let us know. We're happy to talk more about them. You know, I will, I can certainly think harder and put together a list that is maybe more helpful and less ranty. (laughs) And, you know, I think we just also, I mean, we also have to keep all of this front of mind. We have to be thinking about it every time we think about books and buy books and support books and support authors and, you know, call out racism when we see it in romance, even when it's from authors that we like or call out transphobia, even when it's authors that we like or just, you know, be a little bit more vocal. I don't know. Yeah. Are there more things to say, Jess? I don't know. Being vocal is hard, but sometimes we we just like, we reach the, the limit and need to say something and... I, th- I think we've reached the limit and people have started to say things. So join in in whatever ways you can. And also remember, being vocal does not mean that you have to go out of your comfort zone. I suck at talking, which you might find surprising considering that that's what I do every time you hear my voice. <laughs> but I try my best to write things down. <laughs> and uh, my best way of communication is in writing, which is how I ended up with Book Riot in the first place. So do what you are good at and take that and do something to make some kind of difference in this sphere. I know that there there are a lot of things happening in the world and there's like so many things we just want to like try to do it all. But if there's something that you can do that makes a difference in one one small area of the world, then see what you can do to make that change. And, uh, you know, that might have bigger repercussions or it might just have very strong repercussions in that sphere. And that's really great in itself. So... I'm not sure why I started talking about that. Because you're trying to help people. You're trying to give someone guidance. I'm trying to help people. <laughs> I, I, want, I want people who are like me who say, like, I support X group, but I do not do this. I will say that I support everyone who is out in the street yelling for justice, but I, even when there's not a global pandemic, am not a marcher. They make me anxious and they make me anxious. Um, <laughs> Those are, that is fair. But I will send money to bail funds so that mm-hmm. the people who are being arrested at those marches might have some support. I will spread the word on social media now that I'm actually, I had to break that, that chain too because I was kind of like watching and then finally I shared something and all of a sudden I was just sharing. 
So, like, look at what you're doing and, you know, I'm talking about greater things, but you can do that in romance, too. Follow the right people. Mm -hmm. Follow us and we'll tell you where to go. And follow your favorite authors, your fa- especially your favorite Black authors, mm-hmm. because a lot of them have really good things to say, and they will point you in the direction that you might need to go. So this is all just piling on top of Trisha's very eloquent rant. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm the one that's ranting because it's weird. No, but <laughs> not weird at all. I think we're both just sort of saying... The worst thing, the only really bad thing you can do is nothing. Well, actually, that's not true. You could be counterproductive and be racist and not a good human. But if you are trying to do more and want things to look different, then do a thing. Just don't do nothing. (laughs) That's perfect. We've given you a lot of things. We'll give you more. Register to vote. Tell other people that you know to register to vote. That's not exactly bookish, but (laughs) I'm going to sneak it in. All right. Should we do another ad spot before <laughs> for the wheels? Let's let's uh both use this time to take <laughs> calming breaths and and do an ad spot and be appreciative of what we have, et cetera, et cetera. Ooh, I like that transition. Uh, I'm assuming Jen will just edit out our calming breaths. Is that is that the plan? <laughs> uh, I won't make her do it. I will. I will jump right into this. Our second ad spot is from TBR's tailored book recommendations and specifically the personalized reading recommendation service, which now has gifting. Is your favorite book lover hard to shop for? Give the gift of TBR, Book Riot subscription service, offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Choose from plans that allow your loved one to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email as a one-time gift or a year-long subscription, and sit back while our bibliologists do the rest. When your recipient redeems their gift, they'll complete a profile to tell TBR about their reading preferences and what they're looking for, and they can even connect their Goodreads account. Then we'll match them up with a bibliologist who will hand-pick recommendations just for them. Gifts start at just $15, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore, in Portland, Maine. So when you treat someone's shelf, you're supporting an indie too. Visit mytbr.co slash gift to sign up today. That's mytbr.co slash gift. Did you get enough calming breaths in, Jess, or? I did. Okay. I was like, I could reread one of the other ads if you want. (laughs) We're good. I think we're good. I think we're good. All right. Well, we missed... Uh, a different piece of news last time. We were um, thrilled to to have a, a chat with Tosca Musk, but it took up most of the episode, so we didn't have the opportunity to talk about a kind of a big deal in the RWA. Remember, <laughs> I know we've said this before. I can't believe this is like the fourth time I've said this, but remember when our RWA was like the biggest story of 2020? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah. Good times. Good times. But yeah, they have, you know, as we we did talk about the fact that a new board was elected, um, it does feel a little bit like there's a new age and some new energy. And in particular, there's a new award. There is a new award and it is the Vivian. And uh, that is very significant because it is named after Vivian Stevens, the co-founder of RWA, 
who is a black woman. I mean, in credit to the RWA, I guess, like this is like the littlest amount of little credit. This was not <laughs> responsive to the massive nationwide conversation about racism and, you know, racial problems that we're having. This award was introduced on May 21st. So, you know, they, I don't know, they're trying to do a thing. I, I have seen, I've seen some pushback because they did also, they were, so they retired the Rita. They have this new award. And I've seen some people say stuff, you know, like to the effect of, well, I don't really think renaming the award is going to solve all of the problems. Yeah. And uh, it's, I mean, it's true. I don't, I don't think renaming the award is going to solve all the problems. No, but it, to be fair, nowhere in the press release does it say we've solved all the problems. Now we have a new award. <laughs> like, so I think they know that. Yeah. And uh, like, one of the most noticeable things about th the renaming of the war, the award is that in their announcement, they talk about RWA 2.0. And the fact that this particular award, the Vivian, recognizes excellence in romance writing and showcases author talent and creativity. We celebrate the power of the romance genre with its central message of hope because happily ever afters are for everyone. And they deliberately made sure that that particular phrase was very clearly and prominently said in both this announcement and in kind of the board of directors mission. So that's, I mean, they're not saying they're for a specific group of people, but they are saying we recognize that there has been a lot of contention about what a happily ever after is and who deserves it. And we say to heck with that. <laughs> yeah, it would have been easy not to make that distinction. Mm-hmm. And I think in a different RWA six months ago, maybe even, you know, four months ago, it, it's had a few iterations this last year. Mm -hmm. It's it's easy to language matters, right? I think it's that's the thing that that's one of the takeaways that oh, in a variety of different unfortunate and depressing and sad news stories that we've seen over the course of some of them we'll probably get into next time. <laughs> language matters. And so the fact that they are explicitly saying they, like I said, they don't have to say happily ever afters are for everyone. But in a statement that's maybe 30 words long, they take a quarter of it and make that expressly clear. And I think, again, they have not solved the problem. This is not just it. Mm -hmm. But it does show a very clear sign that they are taking steps. And it seems like there is also an investment. And, you know, we'll link to the full press release that they issued. There's a really beautiful quote from Vivian Stevens in it that I think is my understanding is that it was her response to being told that they were hoping to request the honor of naming the award after her. And she shared this really beautiful quote that is, I don't think I can do it justice by just reading it. So we'll link to it. And I would recommend it's it's not long. It won't take you long to read it. It's worth seeing. So I don't know. I This seems to me like the right direction, Jess. I don't know. Like I will see. I mean, considering the fact that they have been a board for less than a quarter of the year, and yeah. the new executive director and the new president, alongside a super dynamic board of directors and other, like, there's directors at large, and then there's, like, the secretary and the treasurer. I, I guess it's all called the board of directors, but I have no idea. They came in with goals, and they have started 
perpetuating those goals. And they are very deliberately using the phrase diversity, equity, and inclusion mm-hmm. in basically every statement that they've put out about anything. And I know that, you know, eventually it has to be more than talk. It has to be do. And the doing has to spread into the rest of the populace of RWA. And I don't know what that looks like right now because so many people sort of jumped ship when it it was going down. And I don't know how many people have brought back the boats. I'm so sorry. I just watched Titanic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a conversation we're going to have to have another time about why you went back to Titanic. But anyway, yes. Uh, Sorry. Bringing back of the boats. Brought back, you know, who's bringing back the boats early enough to save the people. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a weird analogy, but you got it, I hope. No, I'm with you. So I guess all of that to say, we'll see. Yeah. Like the, the they also are hosting a virtual conference since they finally canceled the, the actual conference. I thought it had been canceled, but it hadn't actually officially been canceled. And they started working on a virtual conference, which has some really great speakers. So we'll see what comes out of that. And we'll, you know, it's all we'll see at this point, because people aren't really doing much in terms of actions besides, you know, trying to sit down and write things and maybe get them sold somewhere. And we're, you know, not in the time of year for big book lists and romance or anything like that. So we won't really know what's happening until probably the fall as far as how RWA has shifted. Yeah, but I do think this is a good sign. I mean, I think they didn't have to do this. They didn't have to use the language that they used. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they did both makes me think that even like you said, this is maybe the best time to be able to measure the action and the impacts that it's having. But it's more than nothing, which again is a super low bar, but it it feels like more than even just talk. Like to me, it feels like this is some, using that language is an action. Using, like changing this award is an action. So yeah, hopefully we keep seeing them. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye out. We'll see. I don't know, Jess, should we talk about some books? Let's. I think it's, I think it's time to talk about some books. I agree. Yeah, we kind of, this week we sort of thought, you know, Let's talk about, because this is, you know, June is Pride Month, which is cool. And we'll probably take the opportunity on our next episode, too, to talk even more about different books that are queer in some way. But for now, we thought we'll do books by Black authors. If they're queer, that's great. Also, our underlying principle, and I can't stress this enough, is books that are good. (laughs) Because I do worry sometimes that that is the thing that people lose, is that We don't talk about a specific kind of book or a specific book by a, you know, author of color or a black author or a trans author or whatever because of that thing. We talk about it because it's good. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can be harder to find some of those titles. So anyway, here are some good books. Jess, you want to start? Sure. Now, I am going to guess this book will continue to be good because I'm still about 100 pages from the end. (laughs) But it was so good as I was reading. I sat down and glommed like 200 pages of it last night and just couldn't stay awake any longer or I would have finished it. 
And that is The Boyfriend Project by Farrah Shan. I have been hearing a whole lot about this book. I actually was one of the first people outside of publishing to see the cover of this book because I was able to reveal it in Kissing Books, which was super exciting. Oh, you're such a big deal. It was so great. I was like, oh my god. Um, The cover is, it's just such a great cover. But the book, the book. So the Boyfriend Project starts with um, Samaya, who is who works in tech in Austin, which is super cool, discovering that the man that she is dating is also dating two other women. And she discovers this because her sister, who is hanging out while she's getting ready for her date that ended up being later than it was supposed to be, is reading about a woman live tweeting her terrible date. So <laughs> that's amazing. I know, right? Samaya knows exactly where this date is taking place because it was where her first date with him was and shows up at the restaurant alongside the other woman that he is dating. And the three of them tear him a new one and eat the sushi that he paid for. It's great. Well, yeah. I mean, at least get the sushi. Right? So someone catches it on YouTube and they go viral, but they also become really good friends. And they all share this whole idea that as an adult, when you move to a new place, it's really hard to make friends. And Samaya definitely knows about this and has been working on an app to help people who move to a new city meet new friends. Sort of like a dating app, but for platonic relationships. So there's that element of the story, but she's also got a day job. And it's there that she meets Daniel, who is there undercover looking for someone who's doing money laundering. (laughs) Um, But he's also a coder. So he's like working at her tech company as a coder, while also working for the government, looking for whoever is laundering money through their company. And it's just like, (laughs) there's a lot of stuff going on, but it's all put together so well that you're just like, turning pages and turning pages and turning pages and the friendships are great and their relationship is fun and I would never want to work at a company like they like the one they work at but a lot of people really would you like department challenges for like ice cream and massages and it's like uh uh-uh, that's too much yeah, for me I just no. want to go work in my corner but yeah <laughs> but if that's your thing cool <laughs> like, it's that's cool. great yeah yeah so you know I don't think that anything absolutely horrific is going to happen in the last hundred pages. So I would say that this is a good book that you should read. Hooray. (laughs) Um, I do love Farrah Sean. I was a little afraid when you started telling me that you were going to tell me that that like gross guy from the beginning turned out to be the love interest. And I was going to be like, oh, I love Farrah (laughs) Sean, but I'm not sure I could do it. So, okay, great. I'm glad to hear that that is not the case. Nope. The first book that I wanted to talk about is one that um, we talk about the author a lot, and I think we may have mentioned the book, but I want to come back to it because it it is, of all of the Talia Hibbert books, that kind of guy, which is the third in her Ravenswood series, is one that has stuck with me for a few reasons. So one of the main characters, Ray, is older, so you don't always see that. If there's a a male-female romance, oftentimes the female is not, I think she's about 10 years older than Zach, who's the other side of this. But the other thing about it that I found really interesting that I don't see a lot is that Zach is demisexual, which means that he may be getting this wrong. 
is not sexually attracted to someone he doesn't have an emotional connection with. So he's been doing the notorious womanizer hookup thing and then realizes that he hates it and feels gross. So he stops having sex with anyone that he's not, you know, building an emotional relationship with or has doesn't have a, an emotional connection with. And it's a part of the, you know, the the gray sexuality spectrum that we don't hear or see a lot about, but I think there's something really interesting to it. It's also just a Talia Hibbert's characters and relationships are just really well done and well developed. If you haven't read the other books in the Ravenswood series, first of all, maybe do because they're great. But if you want to start with this one for some reason, you should feel free because even though you will get little pieces of the other relationships um, in the series in the book, you also, you'll get it. Like Tali has, Tali Hiver has this ability. I remember reading her description of the couple from the first book and being like, oh, wow, she just took approximately 40 words and summed up everything about these two people and how they interact. So you'll be fine if you just jump in with this one. It's a situation where Ray's, you know, divorced and she is going to a conference. Her ex is a part of the same field as she is. And so she knows that she's going to run into him. And so, you know, Zach offers to go as like her fake boyfriend. But guess what? It doesn't stay fake for long because they've been really good friends. And, you know, it's it's not an out of nowhere thing. But it's as with all the Talia Hibbert books, it's really lovely and charming. But it does have a couple of those things that you don't always see, which are, first of all, Zach's demisexuality, but also Ray's being a little bit older. And so anyway, it's a lovely, wonderful book. And it is called That Kind of Guy. And it's by Talia Hibbert. I agree. It's a lovely, wonderful book. Those are three words that definitely apply. <laughs> <laughs> are you sure? Book? Are you sure? I'm not. I'm like, not lovely sure. and wonderful and pretty confident about Jess, but I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Who knows? One book that I want to talk about that I'm not, I can't remember if I discussed it here when I read it, which was mm, a little over a year ago. So I might have mentioned it and just don't remember, or I might have skipped over it. And that is Pink Slip by Katrina Jackson. And that's the first book in a series called The Spies Who Loved Her. So it's the longest one, I think. But there are a few others that have delightful characters, some of whom we meet in this book, some of whom show up in their own great ways. But I wanted to mention this one because Katrina Jackson is sort of the currently reigning queen of making every single book queer, no matter what the actual grouping is. Nice. Um, and Pink Slip might have been my... No, it wasn't my first book by her. From Scratch was my first book by her. But this one is about a young woman who is working as a PA for a couple that she doesn't know are spies. And she, it's kind of Mr. and Mrs. Smith kind of thing, although they work together. They're not, you know, against each other. But she kind of has the hots for the couple, and they do a little bit of flirting, but don't really act on it at all until they have to go on a mission that requires a third. So she offers her assistance, and things happen, and... Other things happen, and <laughs> there is also the romantic suspense element. So there is actual spycraft in this book. Well, spycraft 
like movie spycraft. Well, sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not the boring kind. Not the boring kind. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of, you know, anyway. So Pink Slip <laughs> by Katrina Jackson is a lovely romance between a young black woman and the married couple who love her. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I would remember that if you had talked about it before. So I'm glad that you at least brought it back. I don't know that you had talked about it yet. So I'm excited Ray. to check that one out. Katrina Jackson, yeah, she's, if we do a, a thing soon about people who have been having like breakout years or year pluses, she's definitely mm-hmm. on that list. But anyway, so yeah, read all the Katrina Jackson books. So the next one I'm going to mention, you know, I we've been talking and I've been talking in the last, I don't know, a couple of months or so about books where there's sort of is like some family drama that really like grounds the romance and causes Mm -hmm. all of these challenges and whatever. And thinking about it made me pick up a book again that I think I started on a plane and put down and probably had to read something else for a deadline and didn't pick back up again. But I, I, it's always stuck in the back of my head, which is Wherever You Are by L. Wright. And it's, I'm pretty sure I got it at Book Lovers Con or RT convention or something. And like I said, started reading it on the plane, got into it, and then for whatever reason, had to set it aside. But picking back up was just delightful. <laughs> it actually reminded me when I was looking through it on Goodreads, I realized I have other books by L. Wright, which I'm excited about. But speaking of this one, <laughs> Avery Montgomery is this almost, I, she's one of those like show creators slash producers slash writers who's super impressive and talented. And the kind of twist in it is that she left medical school towards the end to take the opportunity to be a impressive TV writer, producer, show creator, showrunner, etc., and left behind when she left the not gonna lie, love for life, L. Elwood, who is who continued on through medical school and became a psychiatrist. And she is back in town to do a thing for her alma mater, has a medical emergency, and you know, has to lean on him for his support. She doesn't have to. She does. She has great friends who would have taken care of her. But the connection between them has always been really strong. He doesn't know that part of the reason that she left him behind is because of pressure from his brother. She actually, after she has had the medical emergency, has lost her vision. She's not sure if it's going to come back. So there's like a real strain and pressure there. But they both do have these sort of complicated family circumstances, these complicated life circumstances. It's relatively quick. When I picked it up to to reread it and finish it, I did it in one, maybe two sittings. It's a Kamani romance, actually. So it's uh, categories, which tends to be a little bit shorter. Mm -hmm. But it's just a lovely kind of full story that sets you very much in a world with a community and characters that you want to learn and read more about. And I have been looking to see which book of this community. I, I've only found one so far. I'm trying to find one of the best friend. I'm not sure it's been written. I'm going to keep <laughs> looking. But in the meantime, check out Wherever You Are by L. Wright. That sounds really great. And I think I too might have that book, which means I think you definitely got it at Book Lovers Con. Yeah. <laughs> sounds right. <laughs> sounds right. Because <laughs> uh, I, that's, that's def- I think that's where I got it. Yeah, categories are great for I'm going to sit down and read for a couple hours. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm done. <laughs> and now I can read a whole book and be very impressed with myself. Mm-hmm. There is a book that many of you will be surprised that I had not yet read. I was kind of surprised that I hadn't read it. I, I, I actually had to sit down and think if I had read this book yet, because I decided I wanted to own a print copy. Mm-hmm. 
even though it is very slim. And I realized I had not yet read it just a few pages in, so I kept going. And that book is So Sweet by Rebecca Weatherspoon. Ah, so good. It's, oh gosh, it is so good. And I am sort of waiting to read the other two in the series because I don't want to just glom them all, which was my first instinct, but I'm trying to be real good. And that is actually the first book of hers that I had ever heard of. And I just sort of categorized it in my brain and moved on. And then the first book of hers that I've read was Treasure and, you know, there was no turning back. But So Sweet is the most adorable one-sitting read that you could have if you're down with reading about sugar daddies. Yes. <laughs> and so, But even if you think you're not down, because I would not have thought I was down, maybe give it a try. Yeah, absolutely. So the main character, whose name I've forgotten, Ke- Kayla, is a 24-year-old very suddenly unemployed woman living in Los Angeles, which, you know, can be bad because Los Angeles is very expensive. And her roommate convinces her to go to a mixer for the service that she herself has been a part of before, in which, you know, beautiful young people find well-off people who might be older or might not be to support their lifestyle, basically. And while Kayla is not particularly interested, she also needs a job or just to make money. And she goes to the mixer and isn't really feeling it and sort of finds herself hanging out in a corner. But the corner is already occupied by Michael, who actually owns the app. And they manage to hit it off to the point where they leave the going their separate ways and you know neither pretty neither thinking about going forward with an arrangement but you know one thing leads to another and they decide to try it out so kayla is being paid to be michael's girlfriend but their actual chemistry and feelings are real so it's a really interesting relationship to watch evolve because it's like, yes, it is a patronage style of relationship, even though Kayla really wants to find a real job, even still with the arrangement, but it's also like real. So <laughs> it's so hard to explain, but you will still love it because it's so good. And the other two books are actually still about the two. So the whole trilogy of novellas is actually the full fleshed out story, but the first book stands alone. So which is why I'm okay with not having just glommed the rest of them. But I I am so looking forward to re-entering their world just to see what they're doing. So that is So Sweet by Rebecca Weatherspoon. (laughs) And I would be remiss not to mention that after that book was written and came out, someone asked Rebecca, something along the lines of someone asked Rebecca if Keanu Reeves was sort of the inspiration for Michael because he was about the right description and age and all of that. Mm-hmm. And she leaned hard into it. She said, this was not actually my initial, like that was not in my mind when I wrote it. But now I'm very much on board with this particular interpretation. So yes, 
Think Keanu Reeves and always be my maybe. Mm-hmm. Take that into your reading of this book. <laughs> yes. Um, and the last one I will mention is in case you forgot, like Jess with the boyfriend project, I'm not all the way, I'm only about halfway through this one. And so I will issue the caveat that someone on Goodreads, so it's Bold Strokes book, which is a romance imprint. I think Bold Strokes is mostly, if not all romance. It's primarily. Okay, so someone mentioned that it's not a romance novel, even though it was categorized that way by the publisher. I don't know if that means there's not an HEA because I haven't read it all the way yet. It certainly is very much focused on these two men individually. So sorry, In Case You Forgot is by Frederick Smith and Chaz Lamar. And it's a male-male romance of two men living in LA, two black men who are both they're in some ways they're on very different life tracks, but both of them have just recently gone through. Uh, one of them has just gotten divorced. The other has ended a lo- well. He got dumped basically by his <laughs> longtime partner right when his mother passed away because the partner didn't know how to manage that. So they're both kind of trying to figure out a lot of life stuff. They don't even meet until I don't know. 25, 30%, maybe even more than that, of the way through Mm. the book. So it may be that it's not a romance because it is so focused on these two individual people. Mm. I'm thinking there's going to be an HEA. So I don't know. I'll I'll circle back next time if I have to make that correction. But (laughs) I believe it's a romance. And it's it reads really quickly. The chapters are really short. And both of them are, you know, have these really strong friend groups, family, you know, stuff. They've got communities. And yeah, like I said, it reads really quickly. You're, you get very quickly invested in both of them and what their lives are like and how they're going. So I will keep you posted. But right now I'm very into In Case You Forgot by Frederick Smith and Chaz Lamar. Awesome. So, I mean, we're just about done. But before we finish, Jess, do you want to do you want to make an exciting announcement? I have an exciting announcement. Okay. Some of you might have been wondering, whatever happened to the Women in Romance book club? And honestly, Trisha and I were wondering the same thing. <laughs> we were. So we decided to bring it back. <laughs> yeah, we did. Because we realized we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> and after some, I mean, not a whole, not a whole lot of discussion, because I think I kind of knew exactly what book I wanted to do. And Trisha was very supportive of my choice. Heck yeah. Um, We are going to be reading Getting Schooled by Christina C. Jones. And I will tell you, she has such a huge list of books that I, I could have picked any of her books for this. And we would have had a rollicking good time. But I will tell you that Silvana, who is a Book Riot contributor and just a voice of delight on Twitter was exclaiming about this book a while ago, probably a couple months ago, and it's been sitting on my on my mind ever since. So uh, this is our chance to read together and uh, just have a chance to read some works of one of the best self-published authors of romance out there right now. The fact that she is black is significant, but holds no significance. I'm not even, it's it's like, she is one of the best black self-published romance authors out there, but she is one of the best self-published authors, one of the best romance authors that I have read. And I haven't even read all of her stuff because like I said, there's a lot. So that's Getting Schooled by Christina C. Jones. And it's available 
on Amazon. You can read it on Kindle Unlimited. If you if you subscribe to that, you can get the book in print in multiple places if you prefer not to give your money to Amazon. Because it's the ebook is available through Kindle Unlimited, you probably won't be able to get it digitally through your library, but you can always recommend that they buy the print copy or see if you can get the audiobook through one of their services. It's like just please take a few hours out of your life to savor this book with me and Trisha, and uh, we will be talking about it on July 9th. So between now and then, send us your thoughts, your questions, your ideas, anything that you would like that is within reason. (laughs) And uh, Trisha and I will discuss that with you on July 9th. Yeah. And speaking of breakout authors, she's another one that, you know, I will confess a year ago, I didn't really know anything about her, but now she's ending on, you know, ending up on all these best of lists. And yeah, I'm excited to talk through this one. I'm excited about it. Same. All right. Well, that I think will do it for us for the day. As always, you can reach us at the When in Romance email box, whenandromance at bookriot.com. I am on Instagram and a little bit Twitter, but I got to tell y'all, I have not. (laughs) <laughs> for about the last three months been spending a lot of time on twitter but you know feel free to give it a try i'm at trisha haley brown on both and i'm at justice reading on twitter all one word and just underscore is underscore reading on instagram and we are always happy to talk with all of you we're excited to hear from you let us know what you're thinking let us know what kinds of actions you think you can take to make an impact in the publishing world as a reader and consumer or if you're a reviewer or writer or anything you're doing this is the time for those kinds of things so please let us know what you are thinking and what you're planning and what you're dedicated to and uh, we'll talk more about it absolutely and in the meantime if you have the brain power to read happy reading happy reading everybody 